welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it's me, Maggie, and I am so very excited to finish off our January season with another author interview. I am here today with Elle Cook, author of The Man I Never Met. Elle, how are you doing? I'm fine. A bit chilly today, but very good. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. I know we are set to talk about it a little bit later, but would you prefer if we referred to you as Elle or Lorna for the oh, rest isn't of the episode? Confused? It's going to be confusing for everybody. It's confusing for me. You can just call me Lorna. <laughs> okay, perfect. I'll call you Lorna. Well, um, Lorna, could you give us a brief synopsis of your book and then a little bit about yourself as an author? Of course. So The Man I Never Met came out in the US and uh, the UK in uh, November, end of November. And it is about um, a girl called Hannah who lives in London and a guy called Davey who lives in Texas. And Davey is getting ready to move to the UK um, and he is just dialing in for a job interview and he gets a digit wrong and ends up connecting with Hannah as she's coming out of the gym one frosty December evening. And from there, they strike up a, a friendship, a, a text message back and forth here and there. And then eventually it starts turning to something more interesting and they talk on the phone and then they start video calling. And it's a, a will they, won't they romance that spans the course of 18 months or so between the two of them. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. The will they, won't they aspect of this book was so heartbreaking. I feel like every so often they would get a little bit closer together and then only to have miscommunication and timing and life drive them apart. And it was heartbreaking, but it was it was such a beautiful, beautiful read. Lorna, what drew you to the romance genre? And do you have a favorite romance film or even maybe a favorite romance trope um, that you find common in a good rom-com? I love, I love rom-coms. I love those 90s, early 2000s rom-coms. They are my favorite. They are timeless. Um, They are fantastic. And I don't think many things measure up to them. Um, Tropes wise, I just love it when two people are meant to be together. And I don't mind if they are divided uh, for most of the book. I don't mind, or, or the film. I don't mind if they are um friends to lovers or you know that sort of thing it doesn't really bother me I just want two people I want to believe in two people and I want to think you two are supposed to be together and I will follow you through this book or I will follow you through this film and I I will root for you regardless of what the trope is basically <laughs> just amazing <make> together <laughs> do you feel like that ideology and the love of that romance trope really came into your writing I hope so I really hope so I kind of in a way with my new sort of uh, now I'm writing um sort of women's fiction and romance novels I I love because I love all those 90s like early 2000s mm-hmm. films I kind of think that they are they are what I grew up watching really when I got into my teens and so it's great to be able to to feel their timelessness and to sort of channel as much of yeah. that into the books as I can because that's kind of what sticks with me well I'm saying that I'm loving all those new really fierce bantery Netflix rom-coms that are coming out <laughs> now but they're, they're so different to what I've been yeah. used to seeing that I'm sort of that really sort of frantic energy about them and I'm like I'm really loving those as well they're quite good they're the sort of they're the more Emily Henry's of the of the film world perhaps <laughs> absolutely sort of totally fierce bantery dialogue which I'm really loving love it yeah I think um 
personally, I just finished the book recently, just last week. And I think that there's this element that Hannah and Davy have where they are so clearly connected in a very different way, especially because I feel like you, you get so much more from Hannah than I think you do from Davy. But Hannah has very different connections with so many people and she has rituals with her friends and these are the relationships that she has. So when she meets Davy and the connection is just really sweet and different on, and it's, it's something so new, but she feels so comfortable instantly. You're just like, there it is. <laughs> That's it. Um, That's good. <laughs> yeah. And it was really, really sweet. Do you have a favorite line or section of your book that you would like to share? Um, my sort of favorite section is just before they get together. And I was just sort of flicking through before to try and find it. Um, but it's when they are having a film night and Hannah shares with him um, her favorite film, which is A Room With A View. And uh, she says it's a bit like opening a piece of her soul up to somebody and seeing, you know, how they'll receive it. And I love how this is when he's still in Texas and she's still in Britain. And they've just positioned their iPhones so they can FaceTime each other. And they're watching A Room With A View you know, separately, but together. And it's kind of just how she's thinking, I really want this, but in real life. And she just ends this lying on, I cannot wait for Davy and me in real life, because so far their relationship has just been online. And I think that's something a lot of people now can resonate with is just holding, holding messaging and holding relationships online. And then it's that sort of long build up before you actually get to meet somebody and that's kind of where she realizes oh my god this is actually going to happen I'm actually going to meet him and I think that's that whole little section where she's just a bit introspective about it that's what I really like that and then he says oh should we just just play and watch the rest of the film now (laughs) (laughs) that was my favorite part of the whole thing too is when they Uh, because I think then they call it like their first date yeah um, is getting to watch her favorite movie and I I just love that section. It was so very sweet. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, Who was your favorite character to write? And if they're different, who do you feel is the character that you relate to the most? Oh, actually, my favorite character to write is Joan, who is the next door neighbor, who is sort of in her kind of 60s, 70s, maybe. Hannah's never quite sure. Uh, and she's just really ballsy and loud and a bit sweary and just says it exactly like it is. She's that kind of she's that friend that you need to talk you down from the edge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a mad fascination with Nespresso coffee and they share coffee dates over the fence. And I just really liked Joan. She's not in it for a massive portion of the book because the book's not about her, really. But in, in terms of Hannah's friends, I really liked her. In terms of who I resonate more with, I suppose Hannah in a way, but I'm always very clear to say Hannah is not me and I am not Hannah. And, you know, but yes. I think there are elements when you're writing, uh, you're trying to write a fully fledged main character. You have to draw on real experiences in a way. And you have to, uh, for me, you have to pick out things from your friends or little things from your own life that you can put in to make a character feel, you know, really fully fledged and so there are little bits you know of things I might do or little bits of things my friends might do that go into Hannah so maybe I resonate more with her a little bit she was good fun to write as well yeah well I think she's a great character so there's nothing wrong with (laughs) resonating (laughs) with her the most I I think she's uh she's just really kind and genuine and she ends up being really brave so I think she's just great um and I just want to say Joan instantly was my favorite character everyone loves Joan (laughs) yeah the second I met her she's like the character that you would want to get cast as in the movie like you're not in it for a long time but everyone's going to remember you you're the scene stealer (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to give away too much um, about the book. And so definitely only share what you're comfortable with sharing just so there's no spoiler alerts. But can you explain a little bit about Davy's journey? What went into writing and developing um, his diagnosis? Um, that was very, so it happens quite early on in the book. There's a reason why the two of them don't meet. And I'm not massively sure it's a huge spoiler because it happens, I think it happens around 10,000 words. And then very much after that, it's about them finding their way back to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what went into that was more that he gets diagnosed with an illness and it was something that my husband went through, um, a decade ago now. So quite a long time. Um, and it was a way I, I know it was kind of quite cathartic to write it really because there are things that yeah. happened to Davy that happened to Steve my husband um but I am always acutely aware that this is meant to be a romance and it's you know so I didn't want it to be a, a huge drain on the book and I just wanted it to be a very realistic very eye-opening reason as to why two people who are meant to be together might not be able to be together um and so I kind of just channeled really some of the things that happened to us 10 years ago. And it was weird to relive it all again through the pages of, of fiction. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. I might not do it again, <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it, it must have been both cathartic and tough to sort of relive those experiences. But I felt like especially the moments where we got to to be in Davy's point of view, just watching the way that he viewed the world change and mm -hmm. seeing like the struggle that he was facing where he still wanted to be with Hannah, but didn't want her to feel obligated to see him and his struggle at that moment. And I just thought it was really heartbreaking. I, I physically like slammed the book shut. I was like, oh. this is, this is, it, it's I mean, it's really well done. Like, yeah. absolutely. I, I think it's just handled really sweetly and really delicately in a way that it's clearly like still a romance novel. But mm -hmm. it's also, I think, giving so much um, honor and truth to those experiences. Yeah. Now, I um, was doing just like reading a little bit about your books and just reading some reviews that people had written. And a lot of people talk about the themes of like, compassion and survival being resonant in a lot of your stories. And especially in this one, it was like all of your five-star Goodreads reviews. People were like, oh my gosh, like I haven't read a book about like survival and compassion, especially in a romance in, in such a long time. And I kind of wanted to know like, how did those themes make their way into your writing? Was it something you did intentionally or just something you found yourself interested in no well done for picking up on that I hadn't picked up on that I'm off to look at my five-star reviews the minute we finish recording this um <laughs> uh no I, I don't think I'm even aware I'm doing it isn't that mm. weird I don't think I'm even aware I'm doing it I think often for me when I write a book uh something will spark my interest and it will just a plot will build from there and often it's uh, a mix of plot and character comes to me together but I focus mm -hmm. on location quite a lot, especially my historicals. And then from there, I'll build something that would be realistic because I, I write historicals as part of my other other bit of my day job. So survival and compassion, I suppose they are because mostly I've written World War Two and the modern day storyline, yeah. you know, dual narratives together. So I suppose survival and compassion is something that really were the overarching themes of the war when you're sort of living on the home front or you're 
you know, living in occupied Europe, they were sort of very big themes to, to get you through your day. Um, and I guess that has just automatically filtered out into my um, contemporary novels without yeah. even realising it. <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, yeah. The people love it. <laughs> lucky. <just> lucky <laughs> um, when you started uh, your process for the book, what came to you first in terms of story for this one? I know you just said with historical fiction, it tends to be a location or a time. Mm. Um, but for your contemporary pieces, um, what came to you first and did you know immediately how it would end? Um, did I know, I did know how it would end. Yes, I did. Um, I think it's not, not spoilery, is it? If you say that it's a, it's a women's romance and you want people to be together, you want, you want them to be together to do anything else would be to, you know, if you slammed your book shut at sort of the midpoint section, then you'd have slammed it shut at the end if I'd have done something else. So I really, I really just wanted people, I wanted them to sort of, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted for them. And I, yeah, as with most of my books, I, I know how it's going to start and I know how it's going to end. And I vaguely know how we're going to get there. But I've worked out over the years that writing an outline or a synopsis, like it never stays the same. You know, you, you sort of see something, something else will spark your interest while you're writing and you think, oh, actually, I wonder if I could do this to my characters. I mean, how would they react? And then yeah. they go off on a little tangent. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know how I, I still thought about it. I wrote this book in lockdown, one of our many, many lockdowns. Um, and, and it took me a while to do it. And I think it was that being se- separated from friends and family that I think helped sort of impart the idea in a way because for a lot of the novel Hannah and Davy are separated from each other not mm-hmm. throughout a lot there's no no COVID in the book but not through that sort of thing but simply because they live on different sides of the planet and I think being yeah. not being able to see friends and family for a few months helped inform because it felt quite realistic that they wouldn't be able to see mm-hmm. each other at that moment in time anyway and and after I wrote it as, as a a few of the people who were working in the UK publishers said to me, oh, this is so realistic to, to how me and my boyfriend actually got together. And then I moved to be with him. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. Like, this does actually Wow, happen. yeah. You know, people do actually start relationships. Like, in this day and age where we're all swiping left or swiping right, people do start relationships, you know, like this. And they do move countries to be with each other. And it's it just felt like a really different but lovely thing to write, Um and I had no intention of, oh, did I have intention of getting it published? I wasn't really sure. I thought, let's just see if I can do it first. And then <laughs> after that, we'll get to the end and then we'll, we'll we'll worry about it then. So, yeah. So, yeah, we can thank lockdown for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it it's something that so many people resonate with for so many different reasons, whether it's, I mean, traveling for work or mm. being separated from or isolated from the pandemic or even, um, you know, you met your significant other abroad and then you have to move back home. And I think it's just, it's definitely something that so many people can relate to for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Especially um, so in my historicals, people get together, seem to get together quite quickly because of war. And I mean, yeah. my gran and my granddad got together really quickly on both sides and it's war puts that fear of God into you. And you think I must act now because tomorrow I might be dead. And I think that <laughs> sort of seems to be quite, quite realistic for then. And I, I was looking on Twitter yesterday and, somebody uh, I wish I could remember her name I'd give her a shout out but she said that she got together with a guy online and she moved to be with him in America and they got married after knowing each other for four months and like it still happens today yeah they do find love in the most strangest of ways and the fastest of ways as well it's 
yeah, it's quite comforting, really. It's quite lovely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, especially, uh, oh my gosh, in historical fiction, that that must just be so common, you know? And especially when so much in your life is happening, you also probably just want a constant, something that you can rely on. Um, But yeah, I think love is crazy. You never know how long you'll be dating someone or... Exactly. Or ev- everyone's journey is different. And, and I just, I think that's great. Yeah, true. True that. <laughs> um, so what was a day in the life when uh, you were writing this book? Oh, it was a very boring day in the life because it was very <laughs> COVID related where I did nothing other than, actually, no, that's not true. I homeschooled for the vast majority of every day. And oh, then boy. in the evenings, I, um, well, like the rest of the world, we had no social life. So in the evenings, I would just sit and write. And I was quite lucky because my my youngest was four at the time. And so her nursery had just opened up. And so she was able to get in on the last months of nursery um, before the summer holidays came. So she got to go back. So I I had a few hours every day for like a month, I think, um, before then the summer holidays arrived. (laughs) Even though we'd all been off forever, we've got summer holidays. Um, But I still had to homeschool. That helped my eldest. Um, He was, I think, only eight at the time. So I was trying to help her quite a lot with work. So, yeah, so it was very much trying to juggle um, all those joys that I never want to relive ever again of homeschooling (laughs) with then sitting down and trying to write a book in a genre I'd never written before. So that was the day in the life then. It's very different now, though. Thank God. (laughs) Thank goodness. Um, But that does lead me to my next question. So who is Lorna Cook and who is Elle Cook? And I want to know what inspired you to move from historical fiction and write a contemporary romance? Um, well, good question. Uh, one and the same, I guess I, I am half the year L and half the year Lorna. And uh, I smatter around between the two when there's things like edits to be done or, yeah. you know, podcasts and things to do. And and I think if I hadn't have had that free time, well, I call it free time, the hell of homeschooling. But if I hadn't have had that and that sort of time to actually just have beautiful weather here in Britain at the time. So it was time to just sit in the garden every now and again and just think and think of other things rather than usual, the usual one book I would think about. And it was like, I wonder if this, I wonder what if I did this or, and it was time to let a story kind of grow in my head. Um, and then I was very worried because normally I write historicals and half the book is historical and the other half is contemporary. And it's a very much a mystery gets solved and half the book feeds into the other and informs the other. And so I was a bit nervous about writing a hundred thousand word book that was just, you know, two people and their journey. And I thought, well, what if I run out at 50,000 words? because <laughs> that would be quite awful and then what would I, what else would I do so yeah so it was very it was a it was a bit of a journey trying to work out how to do it but I really enjoyed it I've written my second one now as well so I, I feel I might have found my feet now hopefully amazing so do you think that we will be getting many more contemporary romances from Elle Cook I hope so yes my next one's already got a title which is good and it's up on Amazon perfect already, so I feel like it's there it's it's cemented now it's definitely happening <laughs> amazing amazing I can't wait <laughs> um do you um have any authors or maybe storytellers or filmmakers that you feel really inspire you in your writing oh this is a good question so yes I think so in uh for my L books I love um I love an author called Holly Miller. Um, she's fantastic. She wrote The Sight of You, which was, I, if you haven't, oh, such a heartbreaking book. It's so brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yes, I've got loads of people on the shelves. Let's have a look. Oh, gosh. 
always times like this when your mind goes blank. Um, Rosie Walsh, uh, who wrote, I think it's called Ghosted in America. Um, yes, yes, yeah. The Man Who Didn't Call. Um, I loved that. Um, um, and that's kind of contemporary and historical. I love like Jenny Ashcroft and Iona Gray. It's just people who really immerse you in the story and yeah. then rip your heart out. That's kind of, <laughs> I mean, I hate, I hate that, but I love that at the same time, you know, you know that it's going to end and you're not sure how it's going to end, but you, you hope it's going to end the way you want it to end, but you're never quite sure. And, and they yeah. go to be turbulent. I love it. I just love all that. I love being immersed in a time and a place, no matter kind of what time and place it is really. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I think that there's some, there's like a, a magical way that um, authors can sort of bring you in, especially when the book is going to end really sadly, but you don't know it. You're still like along for the ride and all of a sudden it's happening and you're just like heartbroken yes. um, and you don't see it coming. I just think that's genius. It is um, genius. It is. And what's genius is when that sort of thing does happen, but you, and it doesn't end the way you want it to end, but you, still want to read the author's next work and you know it's yes. a bit of a risk <laughs> you know you might get your heart broken again but the writing is so compelling that you are forced you are forced to to pick it up you can't not yeah I love that absolutely absolutely um well then what would you say is your all-time favorite book I love The Secret Garden by Frances Hirschen <gasps> Burnett it is I think it is my favorite book and I always thought about this I've been asked this before and I, I'm not really I'm really sure what my favourite is. I think it's always between that and Pride and Prejudice. But Pride and Prejudice feels like yeah. such an obvious go-to, doesn't it? But in terms of an adult, a grown-up book, I love Pride yeah. and Prejudice. I just love it. Everybody sort of goes, no, Persuasion. Persuasion's the one you should really love. But oh, I think, no. <laughs> I, I love them all, but I love Pride and Prejudice. But I think The Secret Garden has everything I love in a book. It has a big country house, a big sprawling garden, uh, people on the hunt for a mystery, uh, a really fierce female character, and yeah, it just has all those like sort of gothicness yeah. to it. I love that. So, and it's, it's so enduring. It's such an enduring, enduring book. And I read it to my, uh, my eldest daughter a couple of years ago. I've still got my original version with all the lovely illustrations in it. Oh, and amazing. I can't wait to, um, for my daughter to, um, put down all her animal stories for a few minutes so I can be like can we be this good garden now because she's just at <laughs> seven so I'm like I think I think it's time I think we're ready so yeah I love it I will I will always go back to that book every few years it's so beautiful I haven't read that since I was a kid I'm gonna have to to repick that up and it um, is good and yeah. I think the language as well because it is I suppose essentially a children's book but if you read it now the language is quite quite strong so I think it's quite it's quite um it's not a baby book you know it's not a children's book it's a really a very adult themed adult written book and I think that it still has that enduring quality across all all generations really you should go back to it definitely yeah so worth it. I so definitely worth it. need to that one um The Secret Garden and A Little Princess are two oh, books that I read yes. when I was a kid that I can't stop thinking about now <laughs> and I'm like so I should good. just reread they're them. timeless yeah they're timeless yeah definitely do those they're great um well uh Lorna we're coming to the end of our time together so I'm wondering where are you on social media where can people find you and do you have a favorite independent bookshop where people can purchase mm -hmm. your book Ah, this is a good question. Okay, so uh, on social media, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Um, I am usually at Lorna Cook author. I think on Facebook, I'm at Lorna Cook writer due to some logistical administrative <laughs> error. Um, and uh, independent bookshop. Sadly, around near where I live, there are no independent bookshops. They are all now coffee bars, which is tragic. Oh, no. I know. Um, so I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Waterstones in Piccadilly, who, who need no shout out from me. But to immerse yourself in their multi-leveled store is just heaven. It is just such a great bookshop. It should really be firmly on the tourist trail. So, I, um, and also Bethany's bookshop in uh, the East Coast of America. They've been really, really supportive. Um, so that's Bethany's Beach Reads, I think it's called. So I'll have to drop the line and tell you which one it is. But they've been really, really lovely. So it's, it's nice to be hearing from independent bookshops all over the world to tell me they're stocking my book. And I think, oh, I wish oh amazing. Yeah, I want oh, an independent that's bookshop so nice. here. <laughs> Well, I hope you get one. Me too. Um, for <laughs> our listeners, if you are interested in following uh, Lorna, I will link her social media into this episode's description, as well as the link to the Bethany Bookshop in the States and Waterstones Piccadilly here in the UK. Lorna, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I had a really wonderful time and I hope oh, you did too. too. Yes, it was lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, I can't wait to read your next book. Thanks. Thanks. Out November next year. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I'll mark my calendar. (laughs) Um, And you guys definitely check out The Man I Never Met if you're looking for a really good rom-com. So definitely uh, check it out. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. I am off to do my newest video for our Patreon. I am now doing a series where I will be talking about all the books that I am currently reading every single month as I no longer have an Instagram to post about them. (laughs) Um, And if you are interested in joining our Novel Finds community on the Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend.